You know, last week we got to this beautiful picture and story of Jesus when he came to meet with his disciples and he took off his garment, which represents all his, you know, power and his place, laid it aside, knelt on his knees and began to wash his disciples' feet. And I love it how the head said, these feet are so valuable to me that I'm going to get down on my knees. I'm going to wash your feet. And he began to wash Peter's feet. And you know, Peter, he cried out and he said, you can't do this. No, stop. You can't do this. And Jesus said, no, if I have to do this, if you want to share with me, what is that sharing? It's doing your part in the body of Christ. So I want to read to you this morning out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again. Verse 20 is our, our main text, and it has been this. Let's just start at verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in his, the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And we just begin to talk about last week the context of what was happening in the church at Corinth. And really, if you remember what we spoke about, in this church, they were very young to the things of God. Most of them had only been uh, born again for a few years, hadn't been raised in church. But they were coming into the things of God and they were uh, really letting the world infiltrate the church worldly ideas, worldly views. And it was creating a lot of problems in this church. Did you know churches have problems? People have problems, really? And so there were problems. You could probably look at maybe 10, even more problems that were going on in the Corinthian church. Some of them, so many of these worldly ideas, worldly ways of living, uh, so much sexual immorality was happening in the church. These people were born again. And they were still living like the world. Do you think that happens today? In the body of Christ? Yeah, it does happen. So the difference between a born-again spirit that has been made alive unto God has been completely made new. And then also the, the part of life that requires renewing the mind to line up with that new man. They were in that process of how do I renew my mind to begin to live and to act like and to imitate Christ. And so all through this passage of scripture, we see problems. We also see a lot of incest. I mean, you think, oh, a born again person doesn't know better than that. No, they had to be taught. They had to be trained up in these words, nourished in these words of grace and faith. And so over time, we see it comes to the point. I mean, there's so many things going on. They're suing each other in the church. What is that? Division. There's strife going on in the church. Uh, actually, we talked about last week a lot that there was a selfish ambition was running rampant in the church. And remember what we said that selfish ambition sounds like in 1 Corinthians 13, describes it as a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Remember what a gong does? It is the noise that we make when we're signaling the beginning of a performance, a play, or a magic show. I think I'm just gonna do this every time I say show. Magic show. So what happens in that is, a we see in that passage of scripture that they were all looking for attention. You know, when you hit a gong, the, the, the point of it is that everyone will turn, stop, and stare. And so we did that little demonstration up here with the guys, and they, you know, banging on the drums, and, and everybody in the whole church just turned to look. While we're trying to worship over here, they turned to look, and there was the gong and all the symbols crashing, making noise, drawing attention to itself. So it's the difference between selfish ambition and the way, God's way, which is love. And even the problem we addressed last week was that there were, they were operating in the gifts. You know what it means to be a charismatic church? Anybody, we're at a charismatic church here at Legacy. 
And charismatic just comes from the word charis, which some of you may be familiar with. And it's the, the word for gift. And what it means to be a charismatic church is that all the people in the church are operating in the gifts that God has given them, stepping into the place that God has called them to. They are people who are even coveting, loving the gifts of the Spirit. And they begin to manifest all across the place. And there's excitement from it. There's a joy. See, there is a, a stirring, there is an explosion when we're all doing what we're called to do and in, in our place, walking with God, doing our grace. Grace is in places. It's an awesome thing. So these Corinthians, they were, they were very zealous, but they were using these gifts in the wrong way. They were drawing attention to themselves. And see, what was happening in the, the political climate at that time in Rome was that politics were so big. Uh, people, politicians, would go around the city and they would go knock on door house to house and they would try to get a vote. And they were always drawing, luring people in to themselves. And it was really the spirit, the culture of the place that they lived in. Politicians were drawing men to themselves. And they were drawing attention to themselves. And what this had done was started to creep into the church. And people in the church, they, they were starting to not see each other as valuable and important. They started to think small of each other. And there was this kind of air of pride, arrogance. Um, it's the same word for selfish ambition can be translated strife, stirring up strife. It can also be translated pride. And so there was a big power struggle in the church. And what there was not happening in the church was God's design and will for the church was the love of God being the foundation and so the Corinthian church thinks they have all these problems. Even Paul has to come and address a lot of problems in the church. But it, it wasn't about that they just had all these problems. There was really only one issue, and it was a love issue. And what Paul is communicating and then gives us 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter, he was communicating to them and now to us that if we would build a foundation of love within the structure of this, this spiritual house, that this whole place will be built up and strengthened and strong. It will be an unstoppable force if the love of God is infused into our everyday lives. If the love of God is behind every gift that we operate in, the people will be edified. The people will be built up. The people will be strengthened. And that's God's will is that all of the body, all the believers, all the members of the body would be strengthened, would be built up, would be edified week after week after week because of the love of God working in them. Working in them is so powerful. So I wanna read this to you. This is out of 1 Corinthians chapter um, 12 that we just read out of. If you keep reading on, it says, there are many members, one body, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. No one in the body of Christ is a throwaway part. Not one person. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our most unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. For God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks in it. So we've just been talking about how important it is to find your place and your part in the body of Christ. To do your share and to do your part. When we're all doing our part, it makes the whole body work smoothly work in function. Now, it also is important to remember that no part is better than another part. We ought not to think of ourselves more highly than someone else. Doesn't mean you shouldn't think highly of yourself, not more highly, but 
but that we all, there may be greater parts in function. I'm sorry, greater parts in responsibility. So not better in function, but greater in responsibility. And if you think about that, it's so powerful because you might say, well, I desire promotion. I desire another promotion. That's in me. I can't help it. Is that selfish ambition? No, see, the desire for promotion is not wrong. It's the way you get there. And so we talked about how there's two ways to the top. It's either the way of selfishness or it's the way of love. And so if you keep reading down, it says, verse 25, there should be no schism or old English, as some people say, schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for each other. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracle? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is no. That's why we need each other. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Remember what Paul was talking about, that what was the more excellent way? Even though you need to desire to operate in the gifts. Even though you did need to find your place in the body. And all, all of these things are good. And all of these things are God's plan. What is the more excellent way? It's loving his body. Loving each other. Loving over just having to push and press and make your own way to the top. The love of God should be the foundation of our churches. And it is the foundation of Legacy Church. When people walk into this place, our greatest desire is that they would sense the love of God and a spirit of faith. How do they even sense that? Well, you and I have to be carrying it everywhere we go, in every conversation, in every situation that we encounter. The love of God. And so uh, I just wanted to read to you a little bit. Now, first of all, let's just go back to verse 25. It says, there should be no schism in the body. That word schism, does anybody know what that means? It's the idea of division. It's the idea of dissension, separation. My favorite way to describe it is discord. And um, I'm a music person. How many music people do I have in this room? What? How do I not know this? Okay, you like music? Who in here plays music? Okay, Jordan's saying yes on the front row because he wants to know why none of you guys have um, already signed up for the praise and worship team. But anyway, you like music, you love music. Okay, so music is not just, okay, I'm a music person or I'm not. God uses musical terms all through the Bible to describe the way he sees things, to describe his heart. And last week we talked about the gong and the clanging cymbal, drawing attention to, some, to somebody being, you know. But there is a part, I think that one of the greatest ways that I could explain being many members yet one body is the parts that are all different coming together to make one sound. And I just think about, okay, can I have all the band come back up really quick? Okay, they're gonna, they're like, what are we gonna do? Quick, 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 okay. And what I just think is the most, the easiest way for me to understand harmony and discord is the parts being together, working how they should or not working how they should. And if anybody knows about music, have you ever heard of a chord? 
A chord is several notes put together, played at the same time to make one sound. Okay, Esther, she doesn't know she's going to have to do this. Can you play a, uh, just the, a middle C for me? Okay, can you play a, um, an E for me? Can you play a G for me? Now, can you play them all together? All those notes are individual notes, but when they're played together, they make one sound. Yes, harmony. They make something called harmony. So if um, it's really a chord. And so Jordan and I, okay, we're going to sing you. When you we sing, I love you, Lord. Okay, so Jordan's going to start out at the beginning and he's going to sing one part. And then I'm going to come in with another part. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul. Okay, so did you hear how we made two different parts? And that created harmony. Now, harmony is such a beautiful thing. It can be such a beautiful thing. Have you ever been to hear an orchestra? Has anybody ever played in a band in high school? I know I did. I was always in the concert band and the band marching band. And we would warm up before the session. And I mean, can you imagine... See, we had the biggest band in Arkansas. We had just such a, such a large high school band. And every one of us begin to warm up and play at the same time, all at nobody thinking about each other. No, no. We're thinking about how good we want to sound, how good we need our instrument to sound, how much, it's all about me, really. Now, please don't take that clip and use it on the internet without the context of the rest of this message. So self, selfish ambition, somebody's going to go do it and they're going to send it to me. Okay, selfish ambition, it's this concept of the whole world revolves around me. And it's a, it has a sound. And it's a sound of discord and it's ugly. It's nasty. And in this sound... Um, you know, it, it draws attention to itself, like we said, that clanging brass, that cymbal, and everybody has to stop and stare. This is what 1 Corinthians 13 talks about when it says, the, it talks about the parade of self. What is that the picture of? It's a picture of you and I marching down Main Street, and we're shouting at the top of our lungs, look at me! See me, notice me, look at my gift. Don't you want to know me? Let me tell you about my ministry. Let me tell you about my call. Let me tell you, look at me, see me, notice me, look at me. And it's, it's, it's us marching down Main Street, the Main Street of our lives, always living like this. And everybody else is forced to stand on the sidelines and stop and stare and listen to us. But the sound of love is a sound of harmony. It's a sound of peace. It's the sound of a chord, every part being in the right place, not looking for attention, not trying to be the most seen, not trying to be the most heard. This is, is a picture of a political agenda. And really, if you think about what that is in the church, what was trying to get into the Corinthian church was, was this, I, this, uh, the word factions. Have you ever heard that? It's these smaller groups that start to form within the whole. And they start to have their own ideas, their own opinions. They start to, it, it, without realizing it, it becomes division and discord in the body. Okay, now I want you guys to play the same song and I want everybody in the band to play it in a different key. Jordan, what key are you in? 
D, what key are you in, Esther? E flat, Moses. Oh my, this is going to be really bad. Colin, you're not in a key. Okay, here we go. Okay, here we go. You ready? I love you, Lord. This is, you know, this is going to, this is going to be something. Okay, here we go. Do y'all want to hear any more? No? Okay. Cut it out. Everybody cut it. Okay, thank you guys. That was so good. So now you hear what discord sounds like. This is what division sounds like in the body of Christ. And it's happening everywhere in the body of Christ. And if you'll let it, it will happen. It'll infiltrate your life and your family. You have to stand at the door and say no when it tries to come in. You know, you shouldn't let strife run rampant in your house. You know, the the only way that strife continues to work in a house is when two people are trying to push their own opinion. They're trying to prove a point. They're trying to make you see a point. It's the same way in a church. It's the same way in an organization, in the office. You shouldn't tolerate strife in your business. Now, when you tolerate strife, you let the very nature of the enemy himself walk into your workplace. No, thank you. No, thank you. So I want to read this to you out of, well, first I'll read you this. Proverbs 6, 16 and 19, it says this, six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. And then he lists some. And then the very last one, verse 19 A false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. This is God's view, not just my opinion or anyone else's. This is, these are things, it says he hates it. Of all the things, discord is one of the things that he hates. The New International Version says a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. The New Living Translation, verse 19, says he hates a false witness who pours out lies and a person who sows discord in a family. See, God is all about family and he's all about unity. He's all about harmony. He's all about love. Love at work in the body. Why? Because if love builds up the body, what does everything else do? it tears it down. And we want to be the kind of place, the kind of safe place that people can come into and they can be built up. No one looking, trying to find, always pushing for their own position and their own place. Not, not people, everyone, no one in here should be trying to, trying to one up everybody else. (laughs) I should have the kind of mind in me that loves you And is concerned for you. Care. I have genuine care for my brothers and my sisters. I want to read this to you um, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You can actually turn to this because this is a great example. Another thing that Paul was dealing with in the Corinthian church. And this is... Um, he's, he's going to say again what I said last week, that the Corinthian church, they were pretty much one of your most unspiritual groups that you read about in the New Testament. They were big babies. Yeah. Now they weren't babies in their spirit, man. But they're, they're, they were acting carnal in their flesh. And this verse chapter 3 tells us why that Paul tells them that you need to grow up says this, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes or babies in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. See, babies can only take so much. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able for you're still carnal. For where there is envy, strife and divisions among you, Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Why? Because, see, there's a difference between human love that gives and takes and and really, I'll do for you if you do for me. I'll love you if you love me. That's a different kind of love than the agape love that is always giving 
and giving and pursuing and reaching out and being aggressive in love. That's the love of, that's the high level agape kind of love. And it says this, this is why you are acting like babies, okay? This is why there's division and strife and politics among you. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers through whom we believed as the Lord gave each one? He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. See, too many people are too enamored by a man's gift. And they come into a church or a woman's gift. They come and they say, wow, look at them, how they operated in the gift, that gift. Well, what they're not realizing, what Paul is trying to communicate is that all of us and all of you, we are all just servants of the Most High God. And we are all not to, uh, trying to, to, you know, take the glory of man and, and trying to, to gain position or place. Our job is to sow seed. We sow seeds of the word of God in your life every single week. Week after week after week, we are planting. And another comes along like Jason today, he waters a little bit. And then another comes along, Jeremy comes along, he plants a little bit more. Then I come along, I plant, I water. You, I mean, all of us should be, it's like we are God's beautiful garden. All of us. And he is sowing seeds day after day. People think, try to make spiritual things so big and such a big hurrah. But you know what it is? It's seed sowing. It's, it's garden tilling. It is planting. It is, it is us growing up and becoming this beautiful, uh, just a beautiful picture of God's garden. So then he says this, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Now this comes up every, all the time in churches and people don't recognize it. People will say, oh, I'm from this church. I'm, I, I, I agree with Andrew on this, or I, I'm for what Kenneth Copeland says about this, or I really, I really more agree with Joseph Prince on this, or I really, I think I'm going to, I'm in the Kenneth Hagin camp. What's happening when we do this? We are creating factions, divisions without knowing it. It's this pushing of opinion off on someone else. But what Paul is saying here is, you shouldn't talk so much about me. And this is Paul speaking. You shouldn't be talking so much about me. You shouldn't be talking so much about Apollos. You should be saying, it is God who gives the increase. Giving glory to God. Now this church right here, oh, I heard this in my spirit last night, and I think we've said this before, but this place is a house that gives God glory. Sorry, let me say it like this. This place, God is glorified and people are edified. That's it. God is glorified here in Legacy Church and people are edified. What does edified mean? This is like bodybuilding 101. Building up the body, the muscles become stronger. The place becomes a stable force in the community, in the city, in the world all around them. And this is how we become a local church with a global call. We let the love of God come back in and be become the foundation beneath everything we do. You know, when we talk to each other, when we minister to each other, when we come in contact with each other, we should always be thinking, how can I be a blessing to them? We should be thinking, what is about to come out of my mouth? Is it going to be a blessing to somebody else? Is it going to minister grace to the hearer? Is it going to show the tender love of God? This is what we should endeavor to do. So there is a two different sounds. There's the sound of selfishness and the sound of love. There's the sound of discord and there's the sound of harmony. And that sound of harmony and unity is a sweet, sweet 
sound. And it's, it, it, it comes up before the Lord and it blesses his heart. You know, earlier we just said this, that how good and pleasant it is. When brethren dwell together in unity, this is Psalm chapter 33. It's like the oil that ran down over them. What is that oil? It's a picture of the anointing. You want to know what makes a church great? What makes it successful? What makes it healthy? It's not outstanding preaching. Although that's a key. It's a part. It's not the most good-looking people everywhere you turn. <laughs> it's not just, it's not perfectionism in terms of everybody thinking, oh, I need to put on a show and a performance. What makes a church good is the love of God at work in its members, in every member. And, you know, this takes... Um, it takes work. It takes cultivating the love of God in your life. If you weren't loved as a kid, you have got to press in and cultivate it in your own life. If you weren't loved, if you've experienced heartache in church, if you've been hurt uh, in a church, you have got to renew your mind to what the real love of God is and that it's been shed abroad in your heart. And sometimes you have to receive the love of God again for yourself. You know, the Bible says that love does no ill to his neighbor. Jesus said when someone, when they, they you got to forgive. And you got to turn the other cheek. I saw a really funny t-shirt the other day. It said, I may look calm, but in my head, I've slapped you three times. <laughs> And when you come up and encounter situations where people are so rude to you, I mean, when they persecute you, when they do all manner of evil to you, do you know that's supposed to be happening if you're doing the will of God? Did you know they're going to write nasty articles about you that aren't true? That's going to happen to you if you're doing the will of God. Did you know that people are going to say, or they're going to lie about you? They're going to try to call, cause division and strife, take people from the church. That's going to happen. But what does the love of God do? The love of God is calm. You may have the thought, man, I really want to slap them across the face. But that's not the love of God. The Bible says that the love of God constrains us or it controls us. You know, it's really hard to fight with someone when they're just looking at you and they say to you, how can I help you? How can I be a blessing to you? What can I do for you? This is laying down your life for a friend. These are things we do and how we treat each other in order to have harmony, in order to have unity. In order to have no division, no schism in the body. But God's design is that we would all operate. Every part doing their share. The whole body being built up in love. You know, it's impossible to have strife in your house. If, if a husband and wife are always saying, how can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I help you? Do you know how you can shut down every fight? You just stop. You know, the Bible says that a harsh word, let's, say, let's just say this one, a soft answer turns away wrath. And if you are in the middle of, I mean, somebody's coming at you, you've got to stop fighting with a people and start taking authority over the spirits that are driving these situations. Stop thinking you're just fighting with flesh and blood all the time. If you're in, in your business, in your office, if you're dealing with situations and problems, 
all the time, you should stop and say, I take authority over this atmosphere. I speak over this place that the love of God is able to feel this place and fill up this atmosphere. Oh, thank you, Father, for the love that is manifest in this place. You should take authority over the atmosphere of your house. Do you ever, like we watched today, take authority over problems in your body? Okay, if something comes on you, some kind of symptom, some kind of pain, how many here would take authority over what's happening in their body? What about when it comes against the body of Christ? What about when symptoms of division, symptoms of hurt, symptoms of problems, all these things begin to try to get stirred up. The enemy comes against the body of Christ. What do you do then? Do you yield to speaking words of division, bad-mouthing someone else, talking smack, getting involved with the division? Or do you stop and take authority over those spirits that are controlling it? This is how you stay in a family. This is how you stay in unity. This is how you resist the enemy. You do it just like you would do it in your own body. You do it in the body of Christ. That's good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Did not plan that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Let me read this to you in the the Living Bible. It says this, Dear brothers, I have been talking to you as though you were still just babies in the Christian life who were not following the Lord, but your own desires. See, that's that selfish ambition. I cannot talk to you as I would to healthy Christians who are filled with the Spirit. I have had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't digest anything stronger. And even now you still have to be fed on milk for you are still only baby Christians controlled by your own desires. You know, it doesn't a baby, they need you all the time, don't they? And rightfully so, but they, when they need something, they cry, they whine. They say, look at me, look at me. And you can't figure out what it is that they need half the time. Wait, have they eaten today? Have they slept enough? Well, you have to go through all the things to figure out what's wrong. Well, they're, they're baby. They cry out. They need your attention all the time. But when you're jealous of one another and you divide up into quarreling groups, doesn't that prove you're still babies wanting your own way? In fact, you are acting like people who don't belong to the Lord at all. There you are quarreling about whether I'm greater than Apollos and dividing the church. Doesn't this show how little you have grown in the Lord? See, this is all political party. This is all, you know, we aren't going to have parties in this church. Different parties, different factions, different groups that, that separate. What is this called? Um, uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called when you have cliques. There we go. Simple word. I should have known that. Um, we're not going to have cliques in this church. We're going to highly esteem each other, value each other's place in the body. Just like Romans chapter 12 says, I won't think of myself more highly than I ought to. And when I'm in a conversation with you or someone else, you know, if someone doesn't say something just perfect or they say it maybe a little different than you would say it, we don't have to correct each other. We don't have to be know-it-alls. Nobody wants to hang out with a know-it-all. <laughs> but, the, you know, I, let me read you this. Let me read you this. I'm going to read this out of James chapter 3. If you'll turn there, I think you'll, this will make it clear. This is talking about the wisdom of God. People want to be around you if you love them more than you preach at them. And you know, actually, I heard this one time, a minister said this, I think it was Charles Spurgeon, he said, I'd rather, I'd rather teach one man to pray than 15 to preach. And what he was saying was prayer, praying for someone can do so much more good when you've got the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to them, directing with them, dealing with them, it does so much more good than you and I preaching at them all the time, telling them what to do. With our families, 
we should really be led by the Lord in every conversation. They may just come to you and want to hear from you if you don't just preach at them all the time. This one says this. It says, uh, this is James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that which works are done in the meekness of wisdom. You know what meekness is? It's this kind of humility that has, doesn't have to be loud, that doesn't have to push its way and always have the final word. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, or you could say strife or selfish ambition, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking strife exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But this is what we do, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. What is that? I'm willing to say, I'm not right about everything. I'm willing to say, okay, cool. <laughs> or, you know what? Cool. You can pray for people when you leave their presence. <laughs> but you don't have to get in a fight. You don't have to stir up division. You don't have to always be disagreeable. You know, you can disagree without being disagreeable. You can disagree without yielding to a spirit of division. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. That's member, many members, but that's one body. That's a group not making, just trying to do its own thing, making, having all its own separate parts, always living for themselves. It's many members, one body. It's unity. The wisdom of God is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Glory to God. I like this too. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Did you know you can sow peace into a situation? A really, really chaotic situation, a really hard situation. You can be the one to sow peace, sow love be a blessing. You know, you don't have to always share all your grievances all the time. You can go to God with things. You can be honest with God, but you can also say, you know what? I'm willing to yield. I am willing to defer to you. I'm willing to honor God because I, more than loving myself, I love the body of Christ. I love his body. I want to read this to you. Um, turn with me to... Um, Actually, let's go to Acts chapter 2. And we all, all of us charismatic people, spirit-filled people love this passage of scripture. Chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, was the place important where they gathered together? Yeah, it, it was important because if, if they didn't meet up together, there, there wouldn't have been two or more gathered together in one place. The place was important. But what was even more important? Them being in one accord in their hearts. So you can say all the right things all the time, sing all the right things, but if your heart isn't in it, it doesn't mean anything. I think about this with music, with song. You know, to be a good songwriter, you got to have a lot of heart, right? You got to have, you got to be able to access the deep places of your heart and you got to sing from a place that's not up here in your head, not just doing, acting, being, doing the right thing. Hey, let's, let's talk about this in terms of serving the Lord. You know, your service means nothing to the Lord if it's done out of pressure. It means nothing to the Lord if it's done because you feel like you have to show up, you have to do it. It matters to him when it comes from the heart. 
It comes from the deep places. You know, service means nothing to the Lord if you are doing it to get the applause of men. It means nothing if you're trying to impress somebody. It only matters if it's coming from the heart and it's being done unto the Lord and not unto men. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So serving God, even that, you know, you can't just serve God because you know it's the right thing to do. You have to have a revelation of sonship. Amen. You have to have a revelation that you are known by God, loved by God, valued by God. You've been brought into the family of God. You have a daddy and he loves you. This is sonship, knowing who you are in Christ. See, sonship, a revelation of sonship produces in you the desire to surrender. And from that place of surrender is where you serve from. Service can't be done apart from sonship, the revelation of sonship. Because if it is, then it's just, uh, it's just a matter of me pleasing you or you pleasing me. And we have taken God and the love of God out of the equation. But the love of God should fill up every fiber of our service unto him. But this says they were all in one accord in one place. Suddenly a sound came from heaven. Now I love this word one accord here because we're talking about discord and a lack of harmony and division. But one accord, it's really this, you can look up the Greek word here and it is this concept of music and it's this concept of harmony. And this, the all three, all the different parts coming together to make one sound. I love it. One sound. And then there came, and that moment, when there was that much oneness and unity, no division, no strife, there came a sound from heaven. What were these people doing in the upper room? They had gathered together to all turn their attention to one place. They weren't talking to each other. They weren't looking around. They weren't thinking about the ball game they were going to watch on TV later. I know it's all fun, but... They were thinking about one thing. They were thinking about him. They were wanting to hear from him. They were wanting to see him in all his glory. They were wanting to experience the fullness of who he was. They wanted his presence to show up in that room that day. Every single 120 of them. All one accord. This is to be not just um, not saying the same things. Not just saying the same things. But one mind all the minds were on one place, one heart, one accord. And in that moment, God decided to give them a sound. And then there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled that whole house where they were sitting. And then as we know, the spirit, the spirit filled life came out of that one gathering where two or more people came into agreement and had their mind and their heart on one, on one thing. They wanted to hear from God. They wanted, they, were lo- they wanted to love God, love on God. They wanted to experience his presence. In 2 Chronicles 5.11, we see this happen again and in the Old Testament. And this may be my favorite chap- passage of scripture. If you guys have ever heard me preach before, you know I say that every Sunday. You're like, yeah, right. Um, this is, but I really do love this. And I, I think this is so interesting to me. First, um, this is 2 Chronicles 5, 11, And it says this. It came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy pay, place. See, they had just built this temple unto God and it was time to dedicate it. They came out of the most holy place for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. I'm going to read this to you in another translation so you hear what this means. The priests, they left the holy place and all the priests were consecrated regardless of their rank and assignment. It says this, all the priests from each group, they all had different groups where they served God in different capacities. It says from each group, they had made themselves ready to serve the Lord. Left their own groups 
left their own divisions, left their own parties, left their own opinions, and they made themselves, they set themselves apart to come together and to turn all their focus to one place. Now there's different groups in this church. There's different, uh, different areas where we serve God. But there shouldn't be different factions among us. There shouldn't be divisions among us. We shouldn't talk about everything we disagree on. We should talk about all the things we agree on. We should talk about our foundation, which is the love of God, which is the common thread that runs through this place and the faith, the spirit of faith in this place. And I love this. It says, um, they, they sanctify themselves or set themselves aside for this moment in time, for this place. What if we all came into this church every Sunday and at the start of the praise and worship, we all begin to turn our focus from everything else that we've been involved in in the week, everything else that we have on our mind, everything else we've been doing, turn our attention to God and every single person in this place begin to worship him unhindered without any distraction. This is when a power, that's when power is made available to us in the church. That's when he sends a sound and a, it's a mighty, powerful sound from heaven. And it says this, they set themselves aside, set themselves apart. They left each group that they have or all their divisions and they set themselves apart for this moment in time. Verse 12, and the Levites who were there with the singers and all those of Asaph and Heman and Jejuthun with their sons and with their brethren. This is the whole family came together. They stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests, sounding with the trumpets. And indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one. To make one sound. To be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up, not their voices, but they lifted up their voice, one voice, many members, one body, with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and they praised the Lord saying, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Then what happened? That house, this church, that church, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not even continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Psalm 133, it says, how good and pleasant it is for us brethren family to dwell together in unity without divisions, you know. It's like that oil and that anointing that runs down all over. And at the end of that chapter, it says, for there the Lord commands the blessing. Where? In the place that has one sound. In the place that has unity. No division. No discord. No dissension. It's in the place where there is uh, the love of God being manifested in every conversation, in every encounter. In the service, love for God, knowing God's love for you, love for each other. It's that operation of love, the agape love that's not human love, that's supposed to be working in us, flowing through us, day in, day out, in our homes. Do you know whatever you do throughout the week, how you treat people and love people, how you receive the love of God for yourself first and foremost, and then let it go into every area of your life. And it, it's just, it's like you just, it, it pours out of you without even trying. That kind of love that works in you every day of the week will affect this place on a Sunday morning. Because we are the body of Christ. Many members, one body. Thank you, Lord. I'll read it to you in the, it's the GNTA translation. I don't know if they have this, so just listen. It says, all the priests present, regardless of the group which, from which they belonged, they decided to consecrate themselves. They decided to set themselves apart for this moment in time. All the Levite musicians, Asaph, 
Herman, Jejuthun, the members of their clans, they were wearing linen clothing. The Levites stood near the east side of the altar with the cymbals and the harps. Um, and there they, the priests were playing the trumpets. The singers were accompanied in perfect harmony by the trumpets and the cymbals and the other instruments as they praised the Lord singing, praise the Lord because he's good and his love is eternal. And the priests were leaving the temple and it suddenly filled with the cloud, shining and dazzling the light of the Lord's presence. Isn't that awesome? So I just believe this morning that we are, we are becoming not just a church that's known not only for their hospitality or known for good preaching and teaching, but we're a church that's known for our love. See, they will know us by our love. And people, more than anything, they want to experience the love of God and they want to experience the love of a family. And they don't want to feel disconnected or not like they're an important part of the body. So our job, our place in the body of Christ, we have the opportunity to love people with the agape love and to lay down all of our pride, lay down our power, lay down all of our political parties and our separations and our division and make the choice to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves apart, to leave our groups and to come together to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. Can you guys stand with me today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to encourage you this morning to be quick to recognize divisions. Quick to recognize seeds of discord when someone may be trying to sow it in your life. When maybe the enemy is trying to use us to sow that, those seeds into someone else's life. We never want to be someone who's responsible for separating members of the family. We never want to be responsible for someone not being in their place and operating in their grace because of seeds we've sown. Oh Lord, help us. Help us to value your body, to value each other, to love your body more than we love ourselves, to lay down our lives, oh, like the spirit of Jesus, to lay down our lives for our friends. Thank you for helping us at home to lay down our pride, to, to cast off our priestly robes and, uh, and our position and to kneel down and wash each other's feet. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to be your imitators. We want to look like you, talk like you, serve like you. Oh, thank you for your love. Now, if you've been hurt in the past and that wound is causing you to refuse and resist the love of God, I want you to go ahead and just receive the love that God has for you right now. This will make you a capable minister. This will cause you to rise up. This will cause you to be a blessing. This will cause you to, to forget about all the little things, to stop being so nitpicky all the time, but to just let the high level agape love shine through you, that it'll just pour out. It'll overflow through you. Just go ahead and receive the love that God has for you. He says, behold, what manner of love has the father bestowed on us that we would be called children. Oh, not just slaves, not just uh, people that are outside the family, but children in the family of God. We are children of the most high. We are sons and we are daughters. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord, for your love. We receive your love and kindness working in this place. Oh, thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to, to put a guard over our mouth or over our, our, our heart and our words and everything coming out of us that we would say only those things that would not, not do any ill will to our, our neighbor, to our brother, but that the love of God would constrain us, that the love of God would help us control all those things that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Oh, that it would right now, I just pray, Lord, in this place, this whole sanctuary, that you'd fill people up to the height, that they would know the love of Christ all the way to the highest place, all the way to the farthest reaching place, to the width, to the breadth, to the length, that it would be this all-consuming love. Oh, I fill them up, Lord, in Jesus' name. We just receive it right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Every hurt, you heal the brokenhearted and you bind up their wounds. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your manifested love. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, working in us, operating in us, driving away every fear. Perfect love cast out fear right now in the name of Jesus. Fear, you have to go. Fear of the future, fear of sickness, fear of disease. You have to go in the name of Jesus. Oh, we are being made perfect in your love. Perfected in your love. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Love is patient. Patience. Lord, we ask you to begin to work patience in us. We're not quitters, but we're patient to the end. And with faith and patience, the love of God fueled the foundation. We inherit the promise. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's kind. Love is kind. Oh, Father, help us to be kind like you are kind. Your kindness. Oh, your sweetness. Patient. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't parade itself. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to read that out of 1 Corinthians to you one more time before we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging symbol. See, none of it matters without love. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. All those gifts that are so wonderful, he's saying they don't matter without love being at the center, without being infused with love. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, Though I give all the time, but there's no love behind it, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and it's kind. It does not envy, it does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't have the big head. <laughs> it says this does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil does not rejoice in sin or iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never, never fails. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just ask you to seal this word in us this morning. We ask you to remind us every morning when we wake up how much we're loved. We ask you to remind us through the day how to love other people, how to love your family. We ask you to show us if there's ever 
um, the, if the enemy's trying to get in and cause division or strife or, or any kind of separation, Lord, we remember the people that you've joined us to. And we're thankful and we're grateful. And we notice and we recognize the gifts in the body. Oh, it's not us trying to impress each other. And it's us trying to love each other. And we just ask you to help us with this, to be a place, to be a sanctuary of love. That your loving kindness and your tender mercies would be able to work through us and in us. That because of our foundation of love, Father, we're asking you to give us great influence in the body of Christ. We're asking you to use us, Lord, and to minister to your body, to help every, every part of your body to, to, to be a blessing and to be a witness. This is how they'll know our love. This is how they'll know you, our love for each other. We praise you. We thank you for your help, Holy Spirit. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. We receive it. We thank you for it. And we'll give it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.